the time that we're living in now and what we're going through is is so ripe for change and growth and um, every what I love about the the concept of post-traumatic growth which comes out of positive psychology it's a term that's been around I think for around the last 15 years Uh, what I love about it is that it posits that not every encounter with trauma is negative that actually it's not even about bouncing back but it's about uh, flourishing and I love this idea and you know we see this in in the arts all the time at these incredibly talented people who have like a total shitstorm of a life and I'm thinking of people like Frida Kahlo who you know had incredible trauma in her life but turned it into something beautiful so there's for me I'm fascinated by what happens when we when we are purposefully creative after we experience something really difficult You're listening to Christy Unedited, the podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Gray. Christy Unedited started as a raw and relatable conversation, and it always will be, but it's become so much more than that. Each week, a few special souls dish out some authentic truths as we navigate together the exploration of self. Thanks so much for listening. Let the magic begin. I have to start this episode today with the fact that I am here with Marion, and Marion is my big Leo energy. <laughs> big Leo energy! Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, like, I had the pleasure of, like, looking at Marion's natal chart. Oh, what do you reckon? Was it, like, three months ago now? It was a while. It was a while ago, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, this is so much energy. And then I don't know how it happened, but then it was like a few weeks ago, we were just like, you turned around, I think, didn't you? You're like, big Leo energy. It's now our thing. It's now the uh, most ridiculous running in joke uh, with a few people I know, Uh, but it's nice. It gives me a chance. Now I have something to attach my energy to, and it also amps me up. Yeah, because like that Leo energy, if we talk about this for a moment, is like, it's so magnetic. It is, what's Leo is a fire sign and you have so much Leo in your chart. Like, let's be realistic. And so you have this magnetic presence to you, but there's also this big open heart chakra energy as well. And that's what I love when Leo is in its power because like everything, there's always a polarity. There's black, white, yin, yang. And Leo has it, like I do as a Virgo and everything else in my chart. But Leo does love that adoration piece. But you just have this, like, when I say think of you as big Leo energy, I think of, like, massive heart-opening chakra love. And it's rad. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah, no, it is really interesting, actually. And when we did our session, what I realised, um, particularly when we're talking about when it's not imbalance or when it's um, the, you know, the the polarity of it, it's a very physical feeling for me. So, and this is part of my life in general. Any time that I feel like I'm in a cage, it just becomes like I just turn like venomous, nasty, the fangs come out and and I and I see myself doing it and I feel myself doing it. And what I think what the what doing the natal chart helped me realize is like, oh actually I can retract if I need to. And um, it's just a case of uh, I guess 
recognizing when I'm in those particular different states and having tools and strategies to pull myself out. So, which uh, funnily enough is often uh, definitely for me related to my creativity, which, oh, what are we here to talk about today? <laughs> what a beautiful segue, because we are here to talk about creativity. And it's like, and, and if we talk about Leo too, like Leo is creative. It's all about creativity. And I think that that's, it's so beautiful that not only do you feel that state of being energetically, that you can then like, you almost want to bottle it and then pour that into the creativity and whatever you're creating. And what a beautiful conversation that we're going to have today. And the first conversation too on the podcast, we've actually never spoken about creativity. Oh, wow. Which I find, um, I find that very interesting because uh, as humans, we are just so wired for creativity and growth. Like every single thing, every single thing that you do on a daily basis is creative, whether that's from how you make your bed to how you arrange your, the furniture in your apartment to what you cook to how you talk. Like it's just so, it's one of those things that I think has been conflated with um I guess like innate talent when it comes to art and being an artist or being a musician or being a performer. Um, but actually one of the, one of the big things that I, I guess my life mission is to do is to help people realize that actually creativity is the step before anything gets artistic. Um, and it's something that is already within us. It's a, basically a bottomless well that we can tap into at any time. Uh, and use uh, almost like, uh, yeah, like you would um, like a book or like you would your car. Like you can, it's something that you can, that you are 100% in the driver's seat for. But uh, I think through our social conditioning and through, you know, what we're told when we're at school, like it's amazing how much they just honestly screw us up when it comes to creativity. Um, because uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, I have very early memories uh, of being told, you know, when I would draw something or I'd paint something, oh, look, Marion, you're really creative. Like, that's so beautiful. And they would nurture it, encourage it. But then equally, friends that I would be sitting next to, the teacher would come around and berate them or be like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Um, and I don't think, you know, the implication of that is so huge. As with anything in our lives, you know, it those formative years are so incredibly important with how we identify um, who we are. Okay. I've got so many things I want to ask you right now. Um, <laughs> well, first up, I want to say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So who's somebody to judge what creative thing that you are creating? Like, isn't that the um, objective with creativity is that it's expansive and there should be no expectation on the outcome? Well, exactly. And it's not, um, it's not even something that I think can be judged because it's both a process and a practice, right? It's something that we, you know, there's a very defined stages that we move through, but also in order to get better at it, to get more creative, we have to practice it. So it's just the same as any other skill um, that you would develop, whether that's like, you know, your management abilities or, um, you know, learning to use a piece of software, you know, you don't just try once and then go, oh, like, or maybe, <laughs> maybe you do, depending on what the software is. But um, if it's part of your job, and this is what I always find really interesting is that people are so much more willing 
to practice and learn things for their job than they are for themselves, which I'm just like, that just blows my mind because like where, you know, who we are and the kind of person, you know, the kind of person we become is very much a result of all the things that we practice on a daily basis. And creativity is very much one of those things that if you do a little bit every day, like it just compounds and it gets better and you get faster and you get more creative. It just keeps expanding outwards. Mm, oh my goodness. There's so much goodness here that we can talk about. Um, in regards to like I was thinking before when you were talking about it, like when you're a child and like we're so impressionable when we're young, especially. And I think I probably, like I knew that like, cause you know, programming happens between zero and seven, pretty much. If we're lucky at zero to 14, there might be a little bit more wiggle room in there. Um, but I think ever since I have like opened up my business to astrology services, I get to like look at a natal chart and that's one of the things you can do is look at like, what are those words? Like, what are the things that have stunted you in your life that have shaped you and made you who you are today? And one of the things that comes up a lot is like when you have been either questioned for creativity, like creativity is a big one. Um, so whether it be communication or creativity, I find that they're the two that come up the most with the natal charts I get to read. And then on the flip side of that is like when we talk about being okay, well, what are you doing right now to be creative? What are you doing to like use this energy? Because again, if you have intense emotions, a lot of the time, if you actually pour those into doing something creative, it actually helps to create equilibrium. But the biggest thing that happens, Marion, is that they're like, oh, I'm not creative. And I'm like, no, you have to reframe creativity. I'm not asking you to be Picasso. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Oh, my gosh. And it, I'm really glad that you brought that up um, because that's, I think, probably the biggest myth about creativity um, is that it is it is intimately tied or it is the same thing as artistic ability, which it's not. So for me, um, I've spent a lot of time redefining what creativity is, both in my life and in the work that I do. And one of the ways that I like to look at it as, is, as, as I said before, as a process and a practice. So um, as a process, it's um, about a lot, predominantly about connecting the dots. So what that means is that you're looking at maybe two or three different things and you're trying, and, and oftentimes they're very, very disparate things and you're trying to find the common commonalities and the things that link them together or to combine them, just, just bringing them together. The fact that they haven't been brought together before, that is the, actually the creative moment. So the newness is actually in the combination. It's not necessarily in the fact that it's come out of nowhere because when you think about it, it's impossible to invent anything new because we are ourselves a product of our history, our experience, all of these different things that are completely disparate um, have been connected by the fact that we've either done them, seen them, spoken about them, used them, <laughs> worked on them. Um, so for me, it's very much about uh, the, the awareness piece. So if you are looking to be, um, to sort of tap into that creative mind, it's about looking at everything that's in front of you, recognizing the relationships that exist between them, and then finding a new way, new and different ways to connect them together. So, for example, uh, you, you know, we see this all the time in startups in business, right? Um, you know, I'll use Uber as an example. Like, 
who would have thought to ever connect cars with tech? Like, that's a perfect example of a creative moment. This, and I call this the creative collision. So the more things that we can collide together that haven't been collided together before, chances are the more creative or the more bizarre and more fantastical and magical they will seem. Um, which I thought I'd just throw that in there for you. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I love the word magic. I like every time, well, because when you're listening to this, it will be a little bit later on, but I've been in Launch Week of Own Your Magic. And every time I'm in Launch Week, I feel like I say it like a billion times more than any other time. <laughs> I, I love that too. One of my one of my favorite things to do with language, because I'm also a copywriter, uh, is sometimes if a if a word if I, if I want to really understand a word, I'll say it out loud like 10 times until it completely loses its meaning. Um, and it's just a really bizarre thing that you can do to your brain. And, and what I find is it actually makes me more present. Uh, and one of my favorite words to do that with is the word world. So if you say that, if you keep saying that over and over again, it goes from world as in the planet to world as in like spun around and then it goes back again. It's just really strange. I don't know. It's probably some neuroscience trick, but um, it makes me really like, that's how I kind of ground down. If I need to, you know, get into my super writing mode is I'll pick a word and just sort of say it. Um, which is, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know where I picked that up from. And I am a weirdo. <laughs> uh, but you're not a weirdo. Like I actually love your energy <laughs> and the way that your brain works and how, like, I remember when I first had the opportunity to connect with you and, you just have this love of language and like there's certain words that you use or even when I'm just chatting with you and there's like you have so much energy and depth in those words and I actually went on your Instagram last night. I don't even know why because Mary and I were ch chatting last night and I was like I went on your page for something because I never really go on anyone's pages. I'm like one of those terrible friends that like actually just responds to shit in the stories and I was like I have to read this for everybody because we need to talk about your background Mary and because we started with Big Leo Energy. But like, this is what it says on Marion's bio. And I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Enter my vortex to become fully self-expressed, frighteningly creative and heartbreakingly you. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> like there's a power. Like I read that. I read that like three times and I was like, holy shit, there's something to be said about choosing the right word and curating it in the right sentence and then how that's received by the person because, I don't know, I thought it was magic. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really interesting journey for me. So um, I've always been obsessed with, with language uh, ever since I basically, probably even before I could talk. <laughs> uh, I've always been a writer. I was an obsessive journaler as a kid. So I, I basically, all through my, um, I'm gonna kind of enter this, enter this discussion around my, um, around my background through a side door. Uh, so uh, when, I, when I was a teenager, well, actually since I was about nine, I wrote obsessively in a journal every single night before bed. And I did that all the way through until I was about 24, I think. So I have this whole archive of my entire life, which I still have, mind you. It's in like four massive tubs in my storage cage here. And I actually used those journals as the basis for a PhD project I completed in 2017, which was all about 
creativity, the creative process, uh, and post-traumatic growth. So how we can bolster ourselves against trauma. Uh, because and, and it's so, the reason I bring this up is because the, the time that we're living in now and what we're going through is, is so ripe for change and growth. And um, every, what I love about the, the concept of post-traumatic growth, which comes out of positive psychology, it's a term that's been around, I think, for around the last 15 years. Uh, what I love about it is that it posits that not every encounter with trauma is negative, that actually it's not even about bouncing back, but it's about uh, flourishing. And I love this idea. And, you know, we see this in, in the arts all the time, at these incredibly... Uh, talented people who have like a total shitstorm of a life and I'm thinking of people like Frida Kahlo who you know had incredible trauma in her life but turned it into something beautiful so there's for me I'm fascinated by what happens when we when we are purposefully creative after we experience something really difficult so whether that is in writing whether that's in movement whether that's just in how you decide to change your life. And you see these, um, you know, some people, and I've, I've read examples of, say, a, a woman, a husband and wife who the wife goes through breast cancer and uh, it completely changes her life, but then it completely also affects her husband and he goes along on that journey of growth with her and then the two of them, you know, start a foundation and then that becomes their life mission. So I'm really fascinated by uh, the relationship between creativity and trauma. And, you know, there's that old adage of um, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, which is very much the, uh, I guess, the banner for post-traumatic growth. Uh, and so what my, what my PhD project investigated was, uh, like, is it possible to instigate post-traumatic growth using creativity and so what I did was I did a deep dive back into my journals as I went through um, quite a lot of childhood drama with the, my relationship with my mum who was an alcoholic and uh, I'd had a really um, yeah it was it was really not really not the best and I don't recommend it um, but uh, I was taking care of myself from a very young age I'm talking like five, six years old, cooking all my own food and my mum would disappear for weeks on end. Uh, and then when I got to age 11, I basically had enough and I, and I left and I told her I, I'm done. And to my dad's credit, he stepped in and I moved in with him. But then I had the repercussions of all of that, which was a complete life change from one parent to another. Um, and what I did is also as an only child, I turned to my journal as um, as my way of processing because also my dad, you know, didn't think that maybe therapy might be a good idea because it also wasn't really a thing for for kids, especially you know late nineties Australia. Um, and so I really lent on my journal to process my feelings. And so when I got to my the idea of doing a PhD project. Uh, I was like, okay, I think it's time. This project has been brewing for a really long time and I think I need to investigate that because one of the things that came out of this, and, and you know, this is something I'm always always been curious about and a lot of people have asked me the same question, is like, why, why didn't you turn to, say, drugs or alcohol or, or sex or go completely off the rails? Like, why, how did you 
turn into the person you are, you know, someone who's quite driven, motivated, very positive, despite, you know, all of that happening. And, and, you know, and, and that question drove, like sat in the back of my mind for years before I actually had the maturity and the support to actually uh, investigate it. So what I did was I went back through my journals looking for evidence of post-traumatic growth, picking out different uh, sections uh, and then I, I created an artist book that was uh, a, like a re-narrativization of what me and my mum went through with poems and with reflections and with a little bit of fictional writing scattered in between and photography too. So, um, which the other thing that makes that project really significant was that my mum actually passed away a year into the project. So, um, and she'd been helping me by, you know, retelling her story and um, we'd been reconnecting in a way that we hadn't before. So, oh, like, I, I know on a cellular level how powerful creativity can be for healing and growth because it was, you know, there's nothing like unpacking your relationship with your mother over a four and a half year period um, to really fast track your growth to adulthood, especially when you're like 29. So, um, yeah, and, and there's, so, there's, so much, there's so much in that and so much that I'm, that I'm still to this day processing and unpacking and um, I'm in the, in the beginning stages of putting together a book about it because, as I said before, you know, COVID and everything that's happened lately, I think, you know, we need to find more sustainable ways and more accessible ways uh, to self-regulate and to help ourselves through this process, especially, you know, I, I live alone, so I don't have um, the luxury of an immediate support system. So, and there are times when other people just aren't available, right? So you've got to have some tools in your tool belt to turn to when your brain starts to eat itself. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> because I forget too, like I, um, everybody deals with things differently. And something that I, and I'm trying not to lean on astrology too much here, <laughs> is that um, I always have this um, ability, let's call it a strength, to just keep moving forward. Like no matter what is happening, and I'm not saying that's always a good thing because sometimes it's just easier to keep jumping and think about it later and deal with your emotions later. And so I've always had this just keep moving forward, Christy. It's going to be okay. And I've always looked for solutions. So I've been a solutions-based person most of my life. And, you know, I had a shitty childhood too. Like, I'm lucky I had one parent that was able to look after me and um, had a very colourful upbringing. And, I, again, I think I was like you. I was probably around the same age when I started to actually process it. Mm. And I think that when you have, I suppose, magnetism, energy, um, I'm thinking of big Leo energy right now. I have a couple of really prominent Leo placements. You actually have this ability to always get up and keep moving forward. That's kind of what I'm getting at. 
but not everybody has that ability. I think that you and I are really good at self-regulating. We've got great self-awareness. I think a lot of people do, but it's whether they make the space to tap into that. And we go always like, what can we do to find a solution? How can I get myself out of this funk? Uh, I'm feeling shit today. How can I honor the, that? And no matter what you do, whether you journal, meditate, be creative. And then you go, yep, cool. I'm up again and I'm going to keep moving forward. But yeah, not everybody's like that. And I think having those tools to help other people is so beautiful, babe, because I think that it just, it creates this ripple effect and it impacts others in a really profound way. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the things that I also really love about this, you know, the concept of post-traumatic growth is if you, if you are experiencing it, and this is something that researchers have studied and have found, and, you know, there's a few articles that I can cite, um, that if you are going through it, if you are experiencing it, and so, um, I wait, I'm, I'm going to do this in two parts, but if you're experiencing it, it's actually contagious and there's a flow on effect. So, um, when you are in, you, and this is not that this is not you telling people, oh, I'm experiencing post-traumatic growth. It's just that when you are in the healing modality, when you are in that process of what I call, like, you know, the spiral up, you know, it's slow and it's circular and, it, you know, you feel like you're not making much, much progress, but little bit by little bit every day seems a little bit slither easier. Um, other people see that from the outside and it activates something in them to do the same thing. And I mean, there's many reasons why this could be the case. I think one of the biggest ones is, you know, this idea of the collective energy, that whatever the energy that you are experiencing or putting, putting out there, um, it adds to the collective, you know, because this idea of we're all on the same plane. And if anyone has been diving into any quantum physics or any, anything in the quantum realm, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that. Um, and uh, what I love about it too is that if you want to have, if you want to see if it's potentially something that's, that you're going through as a result of COVID, it typically touches five areas of your life. So um, if, for example, you're starting to feel um, a greater sense of spirituality, if you have, a, have, a, have a, a sense of your own strength, if you have a greater appreciation for life, if you recognize uh, that there are opportunities out there for you and if you are making um, a concerted effort for your relationships to get deeper if you see any of these five things in your life chances are you are experiencing post-traumatic growth and so one of the things that I try to do is um, I like to connect those five things to different ways to be creative um, and actually I want to read something to you um, while I think this is a good segue um, but I have this great book, which is the, um, the artist way every day. And I read this, it's got a, an entry for every single page. And it's a book that is a compilation, um, done by the author, Julia Cameron of her artist way 12 week course. Uh, and so I'm going to read the entry for today because I think it's really, really relevant to this conversation. So often as artists, the blocks that we feel to be ours alone can be dissolved by being shared. We have the opportunity to help one another when we are willing to take it. Great things come to pass. So much of making art is like running a marathon. We may have to run the race ourselves, but it is tremendously helpful to have friends who can cheer us on. Which I just love. I love the sentiment in that and sub in the word life for art. And it just, like, it's case in point of, like, 
everything is easier when it's shared. Same with creativity. It's relational. You don't have to be sitting in, you know, like the solitary artist in your studio um, toiling away. You can talk, the more you talk about your ideas to the right people, the more you processing what you want to create, um, again, allows more opportunity for those creative collisions. And it just takes the right word from the right person at the right time to completely crack you open. And I, I just love how like serendipitous and random that can be. Oh my goodness. I got like really teary <laughs> with you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Why do we make things so hard as human beings? Like any um, ideas? Well, well, where do I start? Where do I start <laughs> with that? I'm going to go straight to the top and I'm going to say Western society is a huge part of that. The capitalist system is built on us being lacking everything when in reality we are completely whole already. The only reason that they, um, that that system has been working is because we've been oppressed. And that's why, you know, when you read out my, um, when you read out my Instagram bio, one of the things that I was really conscious about with that is particularly around the self-expression piece because uh, so, you know, I'm trying to think about how to, how to explain this, but, you know, the capitalist imperative is to keep everyone the same. They want everyone to be buying the same things, having the same jobs. It keeps everything in a neat box and it keeps the system ticking. The second that you step outside of that, and you start to go, actually, hang on a minute. Like, that's not who I, that's not what I feel is right for me. I'm, you know, not using my own voice. Like, when, those, when that starts to happen, when you start to dismantle that idea in your head, um, that's when the fun really begins, right? Um, and that whole system is, is built on us as individuals lacking, whereas, like, we're not lacking anything. You know, we have all the answers within us already. It's just a case of, of removing all the noise and sitting, sitting silently with ourselves to hear that voice because, you know, we're not, we're not just individuals like a floating head, right? <laughs> Again, we're tapped into our history, our all the information that's in our genetics, which they still haven't unpacked all that yet. Um, and, uh, the beautiful thing about, again, about creativity is like every time you expose yourself to something new, something different, your field of possibility expands. So your ability to connect the dots between all different things just ex exponentially grows, even with one new influence. So like, but again, that goes against what our, what society has been built on, which is this idea of like the cog in the machine. So um, which I, I mean, we're starting to see the dismantling of that now, especially with COVID, right? It's like when you take away all the things that you thought you needed, what's left? Oh, actually, I didn't need any of that stuff. And you know what? I'm happier moving slower. And it's like, why is that? It's because it's now you're in a position where you're completely in control. <laughs> Even though the whole world has gone to shit and you might not feel like you're in control, you actually are at every step of the way. So, I mean, I guess that's my long-winded answer of, like, <laughs> what's going on? Um, yeah. Oh, but, and, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't want to, I, I say all that and I don't want to undermine what people are going through either. It's really hard. 
especially on a on a you know a body level like the amount of glucose that your brain needs to chew through um, just just for something that's different is huge so if you're feeling really tired right now and you don't know why it's because your brain is literally rewiring itself to try and keep up with what's happening out here which wow you know, I said oh my god yeah so every time you know, and, and I'm thinking about, you know, we're, we're looking at each other on video right now. Yeah. If there's even just the slightest delay or like a small freeze, like that your brain has to go through so many hoops just to reconcile the processing of that information because it's, it's you know, the dissonance between sound and image, your brain just goes, something's wrong. And then the, your glucose spikes and that also burns through your energy. So you need more fuel. So, um, yeah, and I mean, there's so, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I geek out on this stuff all the time. Um, and like, if you're, the problem with that is, is if you're stressed and you're freaking out about what's going on and you're not sleeping properly, your brain isn't getting enough time to actually um, repair because a lot of the neuroplasticity that happens in our brains happens while we're sleeping in that deep REM sleep. So if your brain is like processing all this new information and you're not sleeping properly, that it just gets worse and worse because your brain isn't having a, it doesn't have a chance to reconnect the new neural pathways. And I think about this a lot when it comes to wearing a mask, right? So like you have to build the habit, you have to build the habit, build the habit um, where, you know, you just, you get used to picking it up, putting it on, picking it up, putting it on. But the reason that habit sticks is because you've had the rest to do it. So um, one of the things that I've been really focusing on, these last few months is making sure I get a solid eight because <laughs> otherwise I'm just not going to be equipped to handle anything new because that's just on a body level. That's what that means. We need to rest and digest in order to be able to bring in new information. I like how you framed that. Like it's got me thinking now, right? Like our brain is used. We're almost our body and our brain has to use energy when we're, taking things in because I was just thinking like before when you were talking I turned my phone to do not disturb because a text message came through and that's a perfect example is like there's that little distraction and it was interesting because that distraction and I know this normally it's on do not disturb especially when I'm like either with a client or whether I'm on a podcast or whatever because I hate that like chop and change but I stopped I looked at my phone I was then annoyed because I was trying to connect with you. I then went back and I like turned it on to do not to serve because I knew I would get that notification in two minutes otherwise. But the amount of energy that's required for that to happen, plus the fact that my brain had to like go on one tangent to get back on the other, is just, it's such a disconnect. And I think of like today with social media, we're connected 24 seven, right? And I talk about this on the podcast all the time. And it's like, I know everything's been created to make us become addicted to it. But like, I just think of how much energy I'm actually using by doing all these different things and trying to be productive. And I actually think that that starts me creatively as well. Oh, with, without a doubt. And, and there's been a lot of, uh, conversation around whether or not we should even be trying to be creative right now uh, considering how many things are changing um, constantly 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 because you know there's the you know the um, toxic productivity chat that was at the start of COVID right where it's like 
now you have all this time at home, why don't you, you know, write that play or create that album or do that? It's like, well, actually, in order to be creative, like I said before, we need to be in rest and digest mode. We, our nervous system needs to be totally dialed down so we feel safe because otherwise, um, when we don't feel safe, everything narrows. So it's like, if you're stressed, if you're panicked, you are looking, it's like looking through a straw. You're only gonna see like this much of the, you know, a really tiny um, pinprick of what's going on. However, if you're relaxed, your, your thinking and your, your vision actually dilates. So everything gets bigger. You get more of an opportunity to actually see everything that's happening around you. And in order to get into that rest and digest mode, we have to learn how to regulate our autonomic nervous system, right? And that in itself is, you know, it's intimately connected to two things. It's connected to your vision and your breathing. Um, and again, like create our creativity is very much a practice and a process that's grounded in our body. So there's very, and, and this is what I love about it. You can actually like trick your body into um, calming down just by um, doing a couple of really simple things. One of which is doing a simple box breathing exercise where you breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and then hold it out for four. And if you do that for a couple of minutes, your body is going to be super calm. And you'll probably notice that you can actually take in more information that way. Um, and the other, the other one that I learned the other day um, from this uh, American neuroscientist I follow, um, his name is Andrew Huberman, I believe. Um, he had said that uh, our nervous system, if you actually look at it on a, on a diagram, uh, it's our eye, it's, this, it's the weirdest thing, but it's your eyes and then the whole system is connected to it. So one of the key um, places where you can actually affect your nervous system is through your vision. And he was saying, um, particularly to this, you know, narrowing and dilation of our thinking is directly um, affected by our, like what we're looking at. So if you're, and I, you know, you're, I'm glad you brought up your phone as an example just then before. So if you imagine when you're looking at your phone, you're really dialed in, your, your vision is really narrow. So that actually makes you more stressed because you're only looking at one thing, you're only focusing on one thing. Um, so one of the really quick, I guess, creative hacks is if you, if you need to think of something more creative, um, you do what he calls panoramic vision. So instead of you know, continuing to look at your computer or continuing to look at your phone, you sort of put it, put it down and then you look at an, you take in an entire room or one of the best ones is you look at the horizon, look at the horizon line because it forces you to get a bit more perspective. Uh, and what that actually does is it expands your thinking and it calms you down. So, um, yeah, there's just so, there's so much wrapped up in, uh, in our thinking, in what we're looking at, in what we're smelling and what we're hearing that can actually both, uh, boost or repress how creative we can be. Yeah. You know what? Like, I think especially the last couple of weeks, cause I've been on, like, I've been super busy and that always happens around, you know, launching a product or, you know, wanting to be able to support as many people as I possibly can. And I know it's not like this all the time. So this is like my sprint time and that's okay. 
but I've been having to be more conscious because I'm not doing all of these self-care things in the morning. I'm probably doing one or two because I just need something foundational so I can just get up and get going. But I've been definitely being more conscious at that midday mark because midday for me is like, it's normally, it's if I'm working normally, it's 3 p.m. But at the moment, it's like midday because I'm getting up earlier and I've been doing like meditation or a visualization just to expand my perspective. Um, so similar to what you were saying, but just do a different technique. But I did the other day this really rad meditation called the breath of fire. Mm. and that was interesting because I created the stillness and then it was almost like the energy filled right up through me I felt like a new person for the rest of the day it was rad that is so cool and um yeah I mean the yogic traditions have so many um different types of pranayama um because your breathing again is connected to your nervous system we actually have the ability to dial ourselves up or dial ourselves down in under five minutes. Um, another really good, one of the ones that I do if I need to get a bit more energy, which actually it, it, kicks, your, it kicks your adrenaline in, is you do this breathing where you do, um, you breathe in, you breathe in once, you breathe in and then you breathe in a little bit more and then you push the air out really quick and you do it like 20 to 30 times. Like uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's similar to Wim Hof. Yeah, it makes you, it amps you up makes you a little bit dizzy but it also clears everything out <laughs> which is the best feeling ever um that's my kind of I feeling breath, breath work is magical uh and i love it because it's free <laughs> you know there's i think there's a lot of um you know a lot of us again lining up with this you know the capitalist imperative we think that we have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment and tools to to, to you know to do all this stuff but again, I come back, fundamentally, we are creative beings, you know, you already have it all inside you. It's just a case of slowing down enough to let yourself experience the process. And that is the sweet spot, is slowing down. Because mm -hmm. it's that masculine energy. It's like, go, 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 do, 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 acquire more. You're not doing enough. It's just, there comes to a tipping, there's a tipping point with it. Like, I even find that, like, it's so interesting ever since I've been in business. And I think I was, and I was only having this conversation this morning, like, I was definitely in my masculine energy a lot of the time. And I definitely wasn't my best self. I think I was, you know, not operating at my, at my fullest. Let's call it that, right? Yeah. And then I went through this massive year when I actually first stepped into business of being in my feminine. And I don't know if that was right too, because it was like I had to kind of go through that to rest, recharge, reconnect, all those re's. And then I kind of, after that, like the second year in business, so about two and a half years of business now, I have this sweet spot of knowing when to turn it on, like when to turn my masculine on and when to turn it off and move into that feminine. It's like a dance. But like I still see that happening a lot around me. I feel so I feel like actually the most grateful I've ever felt in business. I feel like I'm so surrounded by beautiful people that add so much value to my life. And I never thought I would have that and I now have it and so I am grateful. But I do find it does come up around me is that real hustle energy still. Like there's some people that are like acquire, do more, be more, you've got to do this. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't fucking need to do that. Like <laughs> 
Like you can, but it doesn't mean it's the right way for everybody. But I also question, and I'd love your thoughts on this, as if you're in that masculine energy all the time like that, with that, like as tunnel vision, you're actually not giving yourself space to be creative. No, you're right. And I think um, what what I've come to to learn and, and to grasp from a lot of the research around creativity and particularly about its relationship to the body is um, the, the better that you can get about around recognizing which state you're in and the quicker that you can change those states or flick between them, right? It's not because we never turn any of this stuff off. It's just like, it's just the levels, right? It's like, if you can, if you can dial up your masculine when you need to, but then immediately switch it to the feminine to give yourself that break, you will actually be like a thousand times more productive and more creative in the long run. And it'll be way more sustainable and you won't burn out, right? It's like, you've got to figure out where, where the, the edges of your, those yin and yang sides of you are so that, you know, you don't tip over them, but also like you do need to, you do need to get to the ends of them and then dial yourself back down for it to be effective. Um, and that way you'll actually be way more efficient with your energy because you're constantly giving yourself what you need, right? And that's the, that's the magic when it comes to creativity because a lot of, a lot of the actual creativity, um, like that as an idea, it's only looked at from the, it, it only happens from the outside in. For, for someone who is actually, doing something creative, whether that's, you know, building their business, creating a product or, you know, writing, writing a book, doing a play um, for them, what they're doing is they're working within their field of possibility and they're just taking that next logical step, right? For them, it's just like, oh, well, if I want to do this, I've got to write this next paragraph. Or if I want this character to do this thing, they've got to go through this first. But it looks really magical and mystical from the outside because the person looking at it their, their field of possibility is completely different because they have totally different experiences and things that they've gone through. So they look at that and go, wow, like how the hell did you connect those two things together? Um, so it's, it's really, it's all a matter of perception, right? And it's like our perceptions are completely tied to our biases. So um, I, had, I also had another point that I was traveling to with that, but then just went totally off topic, which I love. <laughs> oh, I oh, that's right. I got it. I got it. So the, the train left the station and I was still standing on the station. Um, so uh, a lot of the, a lot of the creativity, the actual creativity, the connecting of the dots happens when we're not thinking about the thing we're trying to create. It happens when we're, when we're just being, when we're just in a beautiful state of presence, whether that's meditating, whether that's going for a walk, whether that's in the shower and a lot of people have their best ideas when they're either on in the shower or on the toilet. And that's because you're not actively thinking about it. Um, and your brain is always working. It's always milling through the ideas. It's always looking for ways to connect things together because you've told it, I want to do this thing. And that, that part of your brain is looking for all the information to support that and keep you safe. So you're right. We don't, you don't have to push all the time. There are certain points in, in the journey, in the creative process, where it is appropriate to focus and be really deliberate. But predominantly, a lot of it is you have to put all the information in, take a step back, rest, let it bubble away and let it come back to you when it's ready, you know? Because 
otherwise, you know, you'll probably what will happen, you'll end up just reproducing something else that someone else has done because it hasn't had enough time to sit and, and I guess, um, integrate with your field of possibility. Oh, I, can I just say, I feel so inspired talking to you right now. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, my brain is going at like a million miles an hour because of the fact that I'm not only like super present and connected and like listening intently to what you're saying, that I think that creativity has so many possibilities. So this is what I'm picking up from our conversation mm. is that when you make space for creativity, you're not just enhancing the practice that's taking place in front of you. You're actually allowing that to trickle into all aspects of your life. And I think this is why I'm feeling so inspired is because when I talk about anything, it needs to add value, not just to one area of your life, but everything. And that's why I talk to life strategy because like, yes, I love nutrition and yes, I love fitness and yes, I love like cognitive behavioral therapy or astrology, right? I could list off all the things I've explored, but I look at how I can take the thing from that, that doesn't just impact one area of your life that I can integrate it into all. And I think that that's how I feel now about creativity. It's not just making space for one hour to go and sit and do some class that you've been wanting to do, like how to make pottery or whatever it is. It's like actually creating the space to every day to do something because then you'll get that expansive view of the world that opens you up to everything. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And very well, very well put. Um, and so, you know what? And it's really simple. You said it before, like, why do we make things so complicated? It's really not. It is being more creative is very simple. How do you be more creative? You have to first be aware of how you look at the world. Why do you view something the way that you view it? Then the next step, go and gather information, gather other, other ways of doing things, try it out. Let it, let it settle, let it, you know, bring in those new things uh, into your life, create, like collide with different ideas and then decide at the end what you want to adopt. Like that's really, that's the simple process because the thing that you adopt at the end is the new thing. That is the new creative thing because you've gone through those process of, of dismantling what you think changing your the way that you think and the key the key to that particularly is it's you know it's always mood follows action so you've got to do something first and everything else will follow your brain will catch up it's designed to support you not destroy you because it wants to keep you safe but you have to take it a little bit at a time because we can't actually do big leaps our brains aren't designed to go from zero to 100. It'll go from zero to 1%, no problem. At a push, you could probably get to three. But you have to, you know, that's why it's so important that we need to be calm and we need to be relaxed. Because when you're safe, you're more like, you're, you're way more open, way, way, way more open to any possibility or anything new coming in. And that's why a lot of, um, I always if there's, you know, I have a heated argument with um, like my dad or my family around, you know, what's going on in the world and we have very different viewpoints and I feel that, uh, you know, initial urge to like bite and, and push my perspective down his throat, I'll take a beat now and I'll stop, I'll take a nice long deep breath 
and I will, I will ask questions because that's part of the information gathering process. You will not learn anything if you are constantly just barking what you want at other people. And, you know, spoiler alert, they won't hear you because <laughs> they're trying to do the same thing, you know? So again, and you know, the energy that it takes to, to do that is a lot, right? So um, anywhere that you can in any situation that you are, if you need to be more creative and you're working with other people, like regulate the room, be the energy that brings everybody down, take a few deep breaths, go for a walk, try and be as calm as you can because your energy will affect everyone around you. Oh my goodness, that is just so beautifully said because I was, oh my goodness, I was thinking my mum is really creative. Like Sue Dog is awesome. Like she... I actually think she could have been an artist. Like, so she kept all her books from like primary school and I've been through them and like incredible drawing, painting. And she actually really wanted to go to art school. And my granddad, so her dad, um, like she's in her sixties. So it was back in the day. Well, she born in like 56, I think. So it would have been in her six, like 60s, 70s, right? It wasn't a thing. And he like kind of like, said you can't go and she um and you know and her relationship with my dad was really challenging and then she had me and I was really challenging kid like I was like the high energy I am today I was as like as soon as I came out of the womb and I and she just didn't have the coping mechanism for that to be really honest and it, it, she was always super creative at home like DIY would like you know, do anything. And I remember when like mum and dad were divorcing and like we actually moved into our own place and like I look back now and I'm so proud of my mum, but that's what she would do. She would to work through the stress and the anxiety. Like I'd get up and there'd be a room painted. Or like she would have like recovered the couch or done something like super crazy. And lately she's had a few challenges and I've actually I've been asking her to cover these damn cushions for me. For like, <laughs> seriously, Marion, like literally like six months I picked the fabric out and I want my ottoman covered because she can do that stuff. And she's been doing little things around her home, but she just hasn't had the bandwidth. And I actually couldn't understand why. And she's always in a heightened state anyway. But that makes total sense because she keeps saying to me, I'm just not in the right environment to create for you. And I was like, oh, mate, so dog, it's been like six months. But I get that now. I kind of have a, 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 another layer of appreciation and empathy for her. Absolutely. And I think there's, there's a couple things in that for me too. Um, in that one of the things I'll say is any, any artistic output is, is a result. It's a byproduct of creativity. So it's an expression of it, you know. So we all have, we all have our different ways to express ourselves. And in order to express ourselves, we need to feel safe. So again, I come back to that. If you can't, if you're feeling creatively blocked, chances are you don't feel safe and you've got to start looking at why. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is one of the most empowering things you can do for yourself when you are feeling stressed or down or a little bit um, off kilter is to make something with your hands. Actually tangibly touch something, whether that's, um, and you know, you hear a lot of, um, uh, a lot of coaches talking about, you know, make sure you make your bed in the morning, right? Um, it's the same principle. It's this idea of like bringing order to the chaos and actually taking responsibility for what you can control. So even on a simple, simple level, making yourself 
a meal that you've never made before. That is a creative act and it is incredibly empowering because you see the results of what you've made. And particularly if it's a really nourishing meal, it just, you're filling that cup straight back up, right? So that's one of the things that I do if I'm feeling really creatively blocked is that I will, I will go to my physical realm and go, what can I make? What can I do in here? Change my, I, I completely changed my apartment around the other day just because I needed that, I needed that refresh. I needed to hit that reset button. I needed to see something different, right? Because we, we need input, we need stimulus. Um, again, related to the nervous system, it helps us regulate because we're in a constant conversation with our environment. And, you know, if our environment is really shaky and really low vibe, then we're, we are going to, we're going to be re constantly reacting to it, and not responding to it. So yeah, when you were saying, when your mom said that, you know, I'm just not in a space to create, like part of me wants to go, well, okay, like what's happening around you, number one. And then two, what's happening inside of you? Like, what are you feeling? Where in your body are you feeling this too? Because there's also, you know, there's yoga, there's massage, there's swimming, there's any kind of movement will also help unblock that. Um, and again, bring some, bring some calmness to the nervous system. And honestly, like my the more and more i read into this stuff um like for the new world that is emerging right now um we need two things we need everyone to be able to self-regulate to be able to keep their shit together <laughs> to be able to regulate their own nervous system if we can do that and we get everyone calm everyone's much more easy to cooperate with and then two we need a whole bunch of creatively activated people people whose um, field of possibility is huge you know they can they can accommodate so many different things so many different ideas um, they're more likely to be able to make um, really interesting connections with things and provide really fantastic solutions um, and honestly like for me they're the two things that I'm trying to focus on for myself and for everyone in my in my field of possibility um, I'm trying to make sure that everyone knows those two things and that I can help them do that because um, the more we, again, what, what the Artist Way book said, you know, the more we can actually share um, and cheer each other on through this, the more we'll act, the more chance we have of actually getting what we want and get, building the world that we know is possible. Oh, building the world that we know is possible. <laughs> That's like so profound. <laughs> <laughs> just just a regular just a regular Friday over here. <laughs> oh my god. You have such a way with words. I'm like captivated. I'm like just sitting here right now, like going, oh my goodness, I could just literally talk to you about creativity all day. Like I think it's that so Yeah, it's so beautiful, but I also think that it depends on the person delivering the message. I'm a big believer in that. Like that's massive. And I think that when you're talking about a subject like creativity, is that you expect a type of pizzazz that comes with that. And you're giving that to me today and everybody else I'm sure that's listening. So Well Well, thank you. <laughs> well, and the other thing is too, like, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to write. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to start drawing. Although those practices work for me. I think it's about, you know, understanding that creativity, um, it's, part of, it's part of your internal ecosystem already. And it's about finding the right channel and the right output for you. 
Um, and the only way to do that is to experiment, right? So try, try as many things as you possibly can. Um, and if you get stuck, again, ask for help, ask other people. Um, that if you don't have the answer, chances are someone else in the collective does <laughs> and vice versa because, you know, all of our, and I keep coming back because I love this phrase of that field of possibility. If you can collide your field of possibility with someone else's and let them merge for like a little while, um, it just exponentially grows. And, you know, you, I feel it all the time, especially when I, um, you know, when you meet a new person and you hear all of their stories and, it reminds you of things that you've forgotten about in your past and, you know, they're worried about something and you say the right thing and then all of a sudden it completely unlocks them. So, um, and, and one of the best vehicles for this is a good, honest, depthful conversation. And I wish, I wish that for everyone right now is that you make space to, to talk to people that you don't know or people that people that you know really well, but you actually have taken them for granted, right? Um, that's also another creative act is that curiosity piece. So um, oh, it's just, I'm, I'm so excited by what's going on in the world right now. There's so much, there really is so much possibility um, as all the rules start to um, be rewritten and um, basically eaten. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just try, try, try to stay calm and you'll, you'll see that there, you know, doors are, doors and windows are opening everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Like astrologically speaking, we've got a lot of Capricorn energy this year. So, and with these planets retrograding, it's about dismantling, you know, <laughs> all of these ideas and frameworks and whatever containers that we've been put into and it's just a very much a year of transformation and change because then we need to set ourselves up next for the next zodiac sign which next year there'll be a lot of aquarius energy and aquarius is blue sky thinking it's eccentric it's visionary it's like it's so innovative and so Yes, we need to go through this transformation and change because we almost need to make weight, make sorry, make room for this expanded perspective that we're about to step into. Mm, I love that. And I feel that. I feel that we're very much in the thick of it right now, right? Oh like yeah. We're, we're being there's we're being asked to take on a lot. We're being, you know, and I, I think about parents having to homeschool people having to work from home who've never worked from home before. Uh, the streets are empty. Nothing looks or sounds or feels like it used to. Uh, and it's so jarring, especially because it's not what we've chosen, right? Change is a very different experience when it's thrust upon us as opposed to something that we instigate. And I think we, you know, there, there needs to be a massive grace period for us all. I think at least the next year or two, to let all these, to let the change assimilate properly because, um, you know, the, it, it's just biologically, emotionally, so socially, um, psych psychologically, it's all, it's all changing and it's all different. And, but the beauty that I, that I keep thinking about and keep focusing on is that we're all going through it together. This is the only time in history, well, in a really long time, where the entire world is going through something together. And, you know, if that's not a sign of the collective, you know, that we are literally all connected, uh, I don't know what is. <laughs> no, and it's, I think that that's the uncertainty we have right now that's jarring. 
because it, as human beings, we don't like uncertainty. We love things to be certain, even though nothing is certain. Let's be realistic. But it's the uncertainty of not knowing what tomorrow will bring that's invoking the fear, which is, again, I think affecting us as a, as a whole. But the beautiful thing is, is like I think of a butterfly emerging from a cocoon and there's that um, growth period that has to come before the butterfly emerges. And so transformation and change can always occur, but it never comes easy. And, and, and you know what? You know what the best thing about that butterfly analogy is? Is that the butterfly goes into its chrysalis, it completely dissolves. It does not keep the same shape. It does not take anything that it had with it. It completely splits apart and then it reassembles itself, right? And like, oh, I just, I love that. And, and I think um, that definitely for me is an on-point metaphor for what we're going through right now. It's like we are, we've disassembled everything. We have it all in front of us. Now, how do you want to put it back together? And the, the, the paradox of uncertainty is that our brains uh, actually can't stay in a state of uncertainty uh, because that's unsafe. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't, it can't, there's nothing to hold on to. But the paradox is that is the space of creativity. When things are uncertain, you have to make things certain, you know, and, and that's the challenge, right? It's like, what can you, what can you decide to do that is going to give you some grounding right now? And, and again, that's that research piece. It's like, look around you, look for what's happening, look what's going on, look, look to what you can control and what is still stable. Because there's, you know, a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things are still the same. So uh, again, it's that about the perspective and, you know, and I think you, you were saying it earlier around gratitude. It's about the gratitude piece. And like, what would happen if you all of a sudden decided to be grateful for all the stuff that you can't control? What if you were grateful that I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow? I'm grateful that my, my job my job has changed, you know, not that I've lost it or not that it's, you know, not the way that it was. Again, this is where language becomes so powerful because when you tell, you, when you tell your brain, when you say it out loud like that, you tell it that thing, it is gonna be looking for ways to confirm it, not deny it. It is on your side, you're on your own side as much as it sometimes doesn't feel that way. Yep. So, so good. I have so many ideas for just wanting to talk to you about other things now as well. I'd be like writing notes as Marion's been talking, going, right, I need to like either research this, reflect on this, share this element in the show notes. There's so much happening. And I think that's the beautiful expansiveness that comes with creativity is like we've been able to have this conversation today about creativity and there's even been an expansiveness that has come with our conversation. And I think that is something magical. There's magic in that. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> a hundred. A hundred. Oh, my goodness. So I've only got a couple more questions for you, but is there anything else that you'd love to share before we wrap up? Oh, oh man. So, so, so many. Um, I guess the other, the other part of it uh, for me um, is that it's okay to take a break from anything. Um, one of my favorite quotes in the world is from um, the web. Well, her name's Maria Popova. She runs a website called Brain Pickings. And she created this poster about some learnings that she had from creating the blog over about seven years. And one of them, um, which has always rung true for me, is allow yourself the uncomfortable luxury of changing your mind. 
Um, and this is true with anything. And it is uncomfortable, but it's also a luxury. Like you can just be like, actually, this doesn't feel good anymore and I don't want to do it. And that's okay. Like you have, I'm giving you that permission slip to, to do, to just get rid of anything that doesn't serve you and doesn't feel good right now. Um, and to focus on the things that do and that do empower you and make you feel more grounded and more safe. Uh, so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So good. Um, so where can people find you online or how can they work with you, Marion? Yeah. Oh, that's so such a great question. Thank you for asking it. Um, you can find me on the gram at Marion Piper Creative. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I tend to drop more like writing and copywriting tips on LinkedIn and Instagram is definitely my self-expression channel uh, where I like to sort of tap into different things that I'm thinking about uh, and share them with the world. Uh, and I've, I've been, I've been rearranging things in my business this year. I'm only a little over a year in, so I f definitely feel like a bit of a, um, a newborn when it comes to business. And I, I mean, I love it. I love the flexibility and the freedom for sure. Um, but then also with that comes a responsibility. And I think, um, for me, I'm going to be working on, um, some more, um, create creativity focused products and programs coming up in the next six months. Uh, so you can check on my, jump on my website, sign up to my mailing list. Uh, so you can keep tabs on that. But, uh, I have, I feel some things brewing. It's just about having, having some space to actually sit down and, uh, I'm going to put this really del deliciously vomited out. <laughs> so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. And my final question for you is, what is an epically small moment that you've experienced lately? Oh, epically small, as in like, a, it's been like something small that happened that was good or something small that happened that was bad? Something that, well, we wait for these grandiose moments, right? These big moments of change. But I feel like there's magic to be found in the small but mind-altering moments in our everyday lives. Mm, epically small moment. Oh, I love that. There's so many. I catch myself all the time. And I think one, one, one thing that happened to me the other day is that I was, I, I have this particular uh, route that I walk through my neighbourhood because I'm in Melbourne at the moment and we're in severe, <laughs> severe lockdown, stage four. Um, so I was out on my state mandated one hour out of the house the other day. And uh, I walked through, um, I go through a particular set of streets and then I sort of pop out on an oval. And there's one particular spot where you can, where, where you can sit and there's maybe like six seats. Uh, and it was a beautiful sunny day. It's still winter, but it was really warm. And I sat, I was, I had my, my Spotify list on shuffle and uh, I sat down and I had a breath and then the sun came, peeked out through the clouds and I was just like awash in this incredible amount of sunshine. It was so warm and so nourishing. And then one of my, one of the songs I've had on repeat for the last uh, little while um, came on. It's called um, Half My Mind Ago. I think her name's Catherine something. <laughs> uh, we'll put that, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. And the whole, um, the song is all about, you know, this idea half my mind ago, I thought I knew everything, but now I don't. And so 
it's this idea of like every time you kind of get to a point where you realize you, you you feel like you know a lot you know next instant you're like back to square zero and I think I had one of those moments when I was sitting there and I I realized like oh wait this is all I have to do like I just have to be sitting here in the sun absorbing the warmth listening to this music and that's enough you know anything that I do at the moment is way more than enough and it doesn't matter what anyone says you know like it's how it's your you know your life your experience and it actually doesn't you don't need all the bells and whistles all the time thanks so much for tuning into this episode if you love this conversation please rate it review it or send it to somebody that may vibe with it or you can subscribe to stay up to date with the latest i'll catch you next time